My name is Sarah Vioso. In May of 2020, I was diagnosed with glioblastoma, the most aggressive type of brain cancer known. This is my spiritual journey of completely surrendering to God's will while healing my soul through His grace. Welcome to Surviving Fear. Episode 11, Idols. Okay, I need to start this episode off first by turning in my Italian card. I was going over some episodes I'd recorded, and when I was talking about Rocky and Stallone, and I kept referring to Mick as Mickey, and that Mick was Rocky's coach. And I can't believe I kept, I was replaying it and I'm like, oh my gosh, I kept calling him Mickey. It's Mick. And I didn't pick up on it and like re figure it out until I was going to bed the other night and I put on my Mix Gym t-shirt that my friend had given me for my boxing outfit to wear for my first day of radiation. And I looked and I'm like, oh my gosh, I said Mickey the whole time. No, we are not talking about Mickey Mouse. We're talking about Mick, Rocky's coach. And because I got that wrong, I'd like to officially retire my Italian card because that is such a large error in my book. And um, I'm sure of some cousins and a particular brother who's very disappointed in me right now, my husband, because I kept calling him Mickey instead of Mick. Anyway, I know that's completely off topic, but I want to make sure that I am very authentic in this. It's very important to me and that I screw up all of the time. You know, we put a lot of pressures on ourselves, a lot of pressure on ourselves to be perfect and to never make a mistake. And um, we make mistakes all the time, every day. It's just, you know, we tell our kids, it's, you're going to make mistakes. It's just how you handle the mistake. And we try to t- teach them over and over again is, you know, you just have to own up to it and say, you know what, I really messed up. I really messed up. I know this isn't that big of a deal, but to me it was. I was like, I was so embarrassed. I'm like, I want to be authentic and I want to be accurate in what I'm saying. And so when I make a mistake, I will correct it. But, um, you know, just such a good life lesson. And I know I'm off topic here, but it's such a good life lesson. And when you make a mistake, it's what you do in the wake of that mistake that helps solidify the person that you are. You're going to screw up. But it's how do you handle the screw up? Do you try to hide it? Do you pretend like it didn't happen? Do you not address it? Or do you face it head on like, dude, I completely messed up. I am so sorry. Um, It was not my intention. Or maybe I just, I made a bad decision. Maybe it wasn't intentional, but maybe you just made a bad choice and you didn't think of all the different um, repercussions that could happen because of that mistake. So just own up to it. Be honest. There's nothing... That is more honorable or attractive or um, appealing in a person that they're honest, that you know that when they say something, they're telling the truth. So sorry, we've been dealing with teenage stuff in my house. So sorry to put a lecture out there in the midst of all this, but it's an important thing. And it's an important thing when I talk about like with God, God is the one truth teller at all times. He doesn't, things don't change with him. Like that's one of the things that I've covered before is about talking about how Satan lies. He lies and lies and lies. And people do that in our life. You know, I'm sure you've all caught somebody in a lie. I'm sure you've told a lie yourself. I know I did. I was like a habitual liar as a child. I didn't mean to be. Um, 
I just, you know, I was scared of consequences. So it was easier to lie than to tell the truth sometimes. And, you know, I'd like to think I'm better as an adult of telling the truth. Um, but it's not always easy. So anyway, I just wanted to own up to my mistake. It's Mick's gym because there's the famous line where he's like, cut me, Mick, cut me. Because he can't see because he took a punch to the eye and his eye was swollen. So he cut open his eyelid and all his blood comes gushing out. Sorry for those with queasy stomachs. And so he can see again so he could fight. And uh, But the line was cut me, Mick, not cut me, Mickey. So Mick's gym. Sorry for the mistake for those of you that are movie buffs. Okay. Now there's something I would talk to you about. Um, one of the things that kept showing up on my doorstep not long after I was diagnosed were devotionals. I actually did my first devotional maybe five years ago, four years ago. Um, I didn't even really know what a devotional was. I thought it was something you need to sit down with like hours a day and write and pour your thoughts out to and, you know, and study the Bible that way. And it just seemed intimidating to me. I'd never done one. And I was like, I'm just, it, it was intimidating to me. Like friends of mine said, you know, they've done Bible studies on the book of James, on the book of Romans, on, you know, different books and doing devotionals on them. And it just seemed intimidating to me. And I don't know why. I don't have a good reason. I wish I did. It just isn't something that I've like dove into. So I got diagnosed with this and with glioblastoma and such, we have such an amazing support system around us. And these devotionals keep showing up on my doorstep. And I do, and I shouldn't say I've never done one before. That's not the truth. The truth is, see, gosh, I'm talking all about lies. And I told a lie. That was definitely an inadvertent lie. I read a devotional every day. It's called Jesus Calling. Um, and I start, I, and I start my morning with it. Um, I try to, and read it during the day. And it literally takes me three to four minutes. To do it right, I'd say it takes 10 minutes. Because you read through what the author is saying. And this one, this, this particular one's written by Sarah Young. And you read what the author is saying. And then underneath it, what the author has written, there are three or four Bible verses linked to it. And um, it just, like, one of the first ones that I... Um, my, one of the first ones that we kind of put out there publicly was right when I was diagnosed, my husband or when I was, I was in the hospital, he was home, my husband, Paul, um, I keep my devotional next to my bed and he turned to the date and that, that day was May 18th. That was actually my surgery day of 2020. And he shared, he took a picture of, and he shared with it on my caring bridge journal, what it was. And so I would read it occasionally. And it was the first time I was like, Oh, okay. This is like, I feel good. You know, I've read something gives me a good way to start my day and kind of hopefully keep me grounded. But since that time, I have probably 20 devotionals that have been put on my doorstep. And at first it seemed overwhelming. I mean, I have devotionals about cancer. I have devotionals about fear. I have devotionals about being a wife, being a woman, um, being a mother. And I will tell you, do not be intimidated by these. These are amazing, amazing tools to help you stay connected to God. And one of the ones I want to share with you is one of the, the first one that I really dove into post-surgery. And a friend of mine gave it to me 
And she has her own struggles and she walks her struggles like in such a Christ-like way. Like she's like, oh, this is the cross you want me to pick up and carry and follow you? Because that's what Christ says. And I wish it's, you know, pick up your cross and follow me. He doesn't say, hey, we're going to skip and jump and be all sunshine butterflies and follow me. No, he's like, get your cross, take your burdens, pick them up, let's go. So she does this with such grace. And she gave me this amazing devotional. And it's called 100 Days of Faith Over Fear. And it's written by Lisa Stilwell. And one of the, and it was, and it, I took me a little more than 100 days. I didn't get to do it every day like I was hoping. And that's okay. You have to forgive yourself. Like you, it's okay that you don't get to it every day. That doesn't mean that you're a failure. The, it's the perseverance that God cares about. It's not that you're perfect. That's not what God expects of you. He does not expect perfection. He expects for you to persevere and to keep trying. Pick yourself back up. Try again. So one that stuck with me that showed up was, is it is your fear an idol? And that one hit me hard. Because I always thought it was idols, because, you know, the Ten Commandments is like, there will be, you know, there is one God and you will put no other gods before me. I'm like, sure, that's great. I'm not going to, like, put all my faith in Zeus or Apollo. Of course, I'm going to follow God. Like, that's how I always translated it. But this kind of changed my perspective in a big way. And it's something I wanted to share because I always thought, you know, I thought of gods as, you know, mythical. That like when you when you study mythology when you're in high school or or middle school, and you know you do a you do a whole unit on the Greek gods and what they meant, you know Athena and Apollo and all of that. And I just sat there and I was like, okay, that's what I think of when I hear that commandment is that you know put another other gods before you. Well, of course I'm not going to put another god before you. I'm not going to say, okay, well Zeus, you're way more important than Christ. No, that's that's silly. But when the, I read this particular devotional in Faith Over Fear, and that's when the realization came to me that I was making fear an idol. You know, the more, I think, accurate definition is an idol is something that you think about and worry about and focus on more than you do your relationship with God. That's an idol. Your phone can be an idol. I was making my diagnosis an idol. idol. All I was thinking about is I have brain cancer. I have stage four glioblastoma, which like I said before, stage four whatever. It's automatically stage four. There is no other stage, you know, but it sounded more dramatic if I said stage four glioblastoma, but you have, I have glioblastoma and it encompassed my thoughts. That was all I was thinking about is not only the diagnosis, but what about my kids and what were we going to do? And what about, you know, 
the money, like this is not cheap and to be treated for brain cancer, even though we have phenomenal insurance, but still there's a lot of money going that needs to be done. And oh my gosh, then there's this worry I need to think about. And then, oh my gosh, what is this going to look like? The future. These are all idols because these were all things that I was obsessing about. I was obsessing about all of this. What's it going to look like if it comes back? You know, am I going to even know who anybody is? And like everything just flooded in. And it all boiled down to it was fear. All the different worries, all the different attacks coming from all different angles, all the numbers that caused me worry and caused me angst actually is fear. So I was allowing fear to be an idol. I don't want to say I was worshiping it, but it was encompassing my thoughts to a point that it was pushing my thoughts of God and prayer and what he is capable of out in the fear was winning and overtaking. It's a very easy thing to do. It's very easy to allow the fear to become an idol because sometimes you don't even realize it, especially when you're in the throes of a really, well, just in the throes of a struggle. I almost called it a, you know, a really difficult struggle, but you know what? Nobody triages your struggle. Like I said before, we're not putting in rack and stacking like, well, your struggle is not quite as important as mine. No, they're your struggle and it's something you have to deal with. But it's having that, allowing prayer and faith to come first and the promises God has made to come first. That's why God's like, I'm your number one. I command you to make me your number one. And he didn't do that to, you know, to show off his power over us. No, he did that for us. He did that for our own protection. Look, these other people and these other things are going to try to come in and take over. But those things are temptations. Those ideas like the phone. I am the worst. I will admit I am the worst. Actually, I have an, it's something I'm dealing with in my back. And I realize it's because I hold my phone. So much, way too much. So right now my phone is across the room somewhere else because I need to get off it. The phone because an idol. What am I missing? What did I miss on Facebook? Any of you younger listeners are like, oh, you still use Facebook. That's for old people. But what did I miss on Facebook? What's on Instagram? What news did I miss? Ooh, it's all on the phone. Ooh, what, what do we have this afternoon? What schedules do I need to do? Oh, I have an appointment coming up. Oh, I, what's the weather going to be like? Whew. Maybe it wasn't so crazy that the people were worshiping the golden calf Aaron told them to worship instead of God. I know it's not a golden calf that someone put in front of you and said, okay, bow down and worship this. But think how much we're on our phones. Think how much with all of the stuff going on with COVID, how afraid we lived our lives. I'm guilty. I'll say it. I had COVID while I was on, you know, I, I didn't have COVID. I'm sorry. But we were all dealing with COVID. I was on chemo. I didn't have much of an immune system then. That was fearful for me because I didn't know. They're still, they still didn't know enough about the virus that, hey, I'm not going to lie. God, it was a little unsettling. I had to be careful where I was going, what I was doing. You know, I, I'm like, I can't be like, yeah, if I get COVID, I'll be fine, whatever. You know, I'm strong. I'll, no, that wasn't the case for me. 
still not the case now. I still have to be careful. You know, my counts are still climbing back up from being, I've been off chemo now for two months, but my blood counts were in the toilet. So they're coming on up. So it's not so, you know, we kind of think in this day and age that, you know, oh, I would never put an idol before God. We kind of do it a little easily, more easily than we think. And got to say, Satan's a little sneaky with it. He's sneaky with it. Now, mind you, I say that about the phone. I say that about Instagram. I say that about Facebook. There's amazing things that happen on those platforms. It's allowing me to reach you guys with what my experience is. The phone allowed me to stay in touch with my family when I was stuck in the hospital and no one could come see me. You know, they're amazing technologies. We just have to have self-discipline when it comes to them. Or it's very easily becomes an idol. Very easily. And I've been guilty of this myself. Like I'm in a conversation with someone face-to-face and my phone buzzes. Or my watch buzzes or vibrates. I'm like, oh, hold on a second. It's become like a, just the way we live, that face-to-face communication where we were locked in and gave all of ourselves to the conversation we were having in front of us. But now we are so distracted. That phone can be where it starts. It can be, it can be a million other things. It's anything that you obsess about. And I was obsessing about my diagnosis. I was obsessing about fear to the point that it was becoming an idol. It's something I thought about more than I thought about my relationship with God. And that's scary. I mean, it's scary. I would, I mean, I would obsess about the upcoming test results. I would obsess about the MRI results, about, I mean, so many things. Then I'd start obsessing about what my kids, are they going to be okay? And I mean, there's, there's a line. I say obsessing. Of course I care about them. I need to know what's going on. Of course I need to know what's going on in my day and I need to check my calendar. But do I really need to go on Facebook six times a day to see what's going on? No. Do I really need to go and see, oh, what's the latest Instagram post? What's the post? What's the next, you know, what do they put on their story? No. Other than, you know, watching my kids and making sure they're not being stupid on there. I mean, they are very important and they, they add to life. They can be amazing platforms, but they can also be very addicting platforms. And I'm not... I just am saying this just to help you, and I've done it, I do it a lot, It go back and be like, what am I putting before God? And I mean, if you're dealing with a struggle, invite God in. Give him an invitation. That way, if you are obsessing about it, say, God, hey, I need to put this at your feet. I need to surrender this to you and trust you that you've got it. And then when you think about it, God becomes part of the conversation. The fear or the struggle is no longer the idol. God is the idol, as is intended to be. And that's important because that is the foundation of your life is your relationship with him. Everything else branches off from that. That's why I said, I am a rock. Build your church upon me. Build your life around me. And that's what's so important. He walks with us every single day. That's why he says, hey, you don't need idols. You need me. That's what you need. 
That's why he said, put no one before me because I've got you. And I keep telling you that over and over again is I've got you. And we just got to start listening to him when he tells us that, oh yeah, you do have me and I do trust you. And that's why he gave us that commandment because he knew it would make our lives easier and he knew it would make the pathway to heaven so very clear. And he knew we were worth it. Despite thinking all the time that I'm not. But he loves us to that point. Thank you all for listening. I'm Sarah Vioso, and I'll see you at the next episode of Surviving Fear. Surviving Fear is made possible by the efforts of our executive producer, JT Henderson, writer and director, Sarah Vioso, producer and editor, Kristen Walker, artistic creator, Laura Ritchie, graphic editor, Linda Lee, and musical artist and composer, Adam Vioso.